Our scripture reading today comes from Genesis chapter 33. We've been walking with Jacob and Esau, and today we get a little glimpse at what reconciliation can look like. So hear the story. Now Jacob looked up and he saw Esau coming, and for 400 men with him, and so he divided the children among Leah and Rachel and the two maids, and he put the maids with their children in front, and Leah with her children, and Rachel and Joseph last of all. And then he himself went on ahead of them, bowing himself to the ground seven times until he came near his brother. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. And when Esau looked up and saw the women and children, he said, Who are these with you? And Jacob said, The children whom God has graciously given your servant. And then the maids drew near, they and their children, and bowed down. Leah likewise and her children drew near and bowed down. And finally Joseph and Rachel drew near, and they bowed down. And Esau said, What do you mean by all of this company that I met? And Jacob answered, To find favor with my Lord. But Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. Jacob said, No, please, if I find favor with you, accept my present for my hand. For truly to see your face is like seeing the face of God. Since you have received me with such favor, please accept my gift that is brought to you because God has dealt graciously with me and because I have everything I want. And so he urged him and he took it. And then Esau said, let us journey on our way and I will go alongside you. But Jacob said, my Lord knows that the children are frail and the flocks and herds which are nursing are a care to me. And if they are overdriven for one day, all the flocks will die. Let my Lord pass on ahead of his servant, and I will lead on slowly, according to the pace of the cattle that are before me, and according to the pace of the children, until I come to my Lord and Sire. And Esau said, Let me leave with you some of the people who are with me. But Jacob said, Why should my Lord be so kind to me? And so Esau returned that day on his way to Seir, but Jacob journeyed to Succoth, and he built himself a house and made a booth for his cattle, Therefore, the place is called Sukkoth. We have been walking in this series uh, with Esau and Jacob, and even though it's been four weeks, uh, to give you a sense of time, uh, Jacob and Esau have been separated for 20 years in the story. And so this is a long family story. This is a story of, of we, we saw their birth, if you remember in the first week, of how their parents raised them and and the favoritism that each parent gave to one of their children and the way that that resulted in some conflict. And eventually, uh, you get to the point where Jacob deceives and steals blessings or birthrights and takes things from Esau that Esau uh, assumed were rightfully his. And they had to part ways because Esau can't imagine any comfort other than thinking about what it would be to kill Jacob. And so Jacob fled to live with his uncle Laban, gets married, has kids, starts a family, and when he burns his bridges there with Laban, and he, he kind of takes all of Laban's property for himself, so to speak, he's got to go back to Esau. And so we see today the culmination of him having to run back to the one that he knows he's wronged, and he's not sure how this day might go. And he's afraid, and I think many of us know this fear. Uh, If you've had a relationship that didn't go the way that you wanted it to, on small levels, on big levels, uh, have you had the fear where you don't even want to look someone in the eye? You know, like maybe if I don't 
look at them. Maybe they won't notice me. Maybe I won't have to deal with this. Maybe you were at the grocery store and you saw that person and you're like, how can I find another aisle? How can I check out as quickly as possible? Maybe you were invited to a party, a a family gathering, and you're like, oh, that person's going to be there. And so suddenly you've got plenty of reasons why you're not going to go just because there's so much fear of what will that relationship be like? What will that encounter be like? What is it to go back to that spot and to be vulnerable? And I feel like maybe some of us push, push all of this uh, into, can you go back to high school reunions? Because uh, that gets you the time span, right? Like, it can be decades later for you, but you might still be afraid to em- encounter that person who wronged you, who you've wronged, And there is a real genuine fear. And part of what gets in the way of reconciliation is we're so scared of how that might go that we're not even willing to risk trying. And so Jacob, with kind of no options, he finally in this moment has a little bit of bravery of like, okay, I've been sending waves of gifts and presents. I'm going to hold some of my family back and I'm actually going to walk out in front of them. I'm actually going to put my own neck out of like, if Esau's still mad at me, Maybe I might save some of my family and they're behind me and they can escape. And so he finally shows up to meet his brother, knowing he's wronged him, knowing he's not worthy. And how will this go? And I I think even till the last minute, I don't think Jacob has any sense. Right? Esau came at him with 400 men and he's like, oh my goodness, he's brought an army. (laughs) And now he sees his brother running towards him. Can he tell tonally why his brother is running to him? But in Genesis 33, 4, we get the the powerful words. Esau ran to meet him, embraced him, fell on his neck, kissed him, and they wept. Like, just maybe, maybe you might run to the person uh, whose relationship you've lost, and there might actually be an embrace. And... You know, Jacob is trying all of his best to figure out how to appease Esau as he's approaching him. He's sending these gifts. He's bowing down. And Esau's like running past all of that, running past all the pretense. I just want to hug my brother. I just want to hold on to him. And as close as I can, I'm around his neck. I'm giving him a kiss. Like, I, I just wanted my brother. And so many of us are so afraid of going... to to that person that we've lost that relationship with because we never think that might actually happen. That they've longed to be reunited too. That they might actually embrace you. They might actually want to reconnect. And so Esau embraces him and instead of with violence, he responds with love. Instead of with uh, throwing out, here's all the ways you've wronged me, he responds with mercy and grace And in that moment of vulnerability where they both were willing to show up, because there's no guarantee for Esau that Jacob is going to be any different. There's no guarantee for Jacob that Esau's not going to be angry. They both show up and are vulnerable and choose to join together for just even at least a moment. And then they let go of all of the emotion. I think it's so powerful, not just that Esau wept, they wept. Because they're weeping tears of 20 years plus, probably throughout their childhood. They're weeping tears of anxiety, of fear, of anger, of sadness, of joy. All sorts of emotions of that relationship 
is all just coming out in that moment together. And they're letting go of all of that baggage for just that moment and are just embracing one another. And that is worth being brave enough to risk going to find that relationship that's broken and seeing if restoration might be possible. In that moment, Esau and Jacob both see something. They both see something that's kind of the consequences of all of the brokenness that, that's kept them apart for so long. What does Esau see? I think the very next verse after this embrace is so powerful and so real to life, but I feel like we probably just read right over it, glance right over it, don't even linger with it. Genesis 33, 5 says, When Esau looked up and saw the women and children, he said, Who are these with you? Like, there's such a real consequence to our broken relationships. It's not just like the one-on-one. There's there's a wider net of challenges when we lose a relationship. To think about the people that he's saying, who are these? These are Jacob's uh, family. This is his, his children, his wives. He's got these people that matter so much to him. And Esau doesn't even have a clue who they are. And that's the painful consequence of our broken relationships of like I lose out on some of the people that mean so much to you and I think about some some family in my own life who if they were to walk up to my doorstep open the door would see my daughters and say who are these people like that's the painful reality of brokenness it's not just the one relationship it's it's so much more than that of Esau looking at the most important people in Jacob's life, who are these people? It's so honest. And so we, we lose out. There's like collateral damage to our broken relationships. Uh, there's others involved, wrapped up into the middle of our separateness, our brokenness. If you think about in your own families, when people end up taking sides on some sort of conflict, you feel like you lose parts of your family. If you have coworkers who are at odds, People start taking sides and you lose coworkers. If people have a problem with each other at church, you feel like you lose parts of your church. It's no matter what sphere you're in, when you have that broken relationship and are unwilling to even try to reconcile it, uh, it has greater damages than just you and that one person. And even more than just our broken relationships with our neighbors, it's a sign that there's a broken relationship with God, that we're not fully living out what God wants for the world yet when we have our broken relationships. And so Jacob sees something different. Esau's like, hey, who are these people around you? But Jacob's able to see something that I think probably had to be very surprising to him. In Genesis 33, 10, it says, Jacob said to Esau, truly to see your face is like seeing the face of God. Like to get to a spot where the person you've wronged in life, the person you've been afraid of, the person that you've hid from and and fled from, like that even that person might actually be in the image of God, might actually reflect God's face, and then I might see God through that person. And and all the while I was hiding from them, I was also hiding from uh, what God might do in this relationship. And so Jacob, who spent 20 years away from his brother, goes back and sees his brother and sees God in the midst of that. And so all of those wasted years are wasted opportunities to to see God even sooner at work in his brother's life. 
I think so many of us give up on relationships and think I can just go on with my life and I, I don't have to think about it, but like you might have the opportunity to see God at work in that situation, in that space, not just see the people again. And so every person as a child of the creator God is the opportunity to see God at work in the midst of their life. And I think this story is, is uniquely powerful because um, it says something about showing up to God and showing up to each other. And I think there's a New Testament parallel story that we're much more familiar with about this kind of uh, grace and mercy. Uh, if you think about the prodigal son, one of those famous parables of Jesus talking about there's that younger son who squanders wealth, who takes his inheritance too soon, who leaves his family behind, leaves kind of some broken relationships behind. And when things go south and his, he's run out of options and he thinks, I guess I, guess I got to go home, maybe my dad will make me like a slave in his household. Maybe, maybe I can just be a servant because their life is better than mine now. And when that prodigal son returns back home, and he's afraid about how his dad might respond to him, his dad goes running out to meet him. And it's a beautiful image of, you know, that we, we, we plant over to God of like, God is always ready to run to meet you. Uh, just turn to God. And it's a beautiful image. And in the prodigal son story, there's also an older brother, and the older brother is upset about it because he's like, hey, I've been faithful the whole time. Where's my party when his dad wants to throw a party for the son who's returned home? In this story, we've kind of cut out the dad figure in it, though Isaac was obviously a part of our story earlier. But here it's the power of even the brother running to meet, of like Esau, of like, let me get to my brother, and welcoming him, welcoming home with grace and mercy and love. And it's a beautiful image of what might be to restore relationships. And I think about the opportunity, because in the prodigal son, it's easy of like, well, I don't have to be the father. I, I, could, I, I have to be the older brother, maybe, and I need to think about having a little bit better, you know, tone or reception to those other people in my life while God is welcoming them. But like to think about what is it to be Esau, that you have the opportunity to be the image of God to somebody else, to be the welcoming embrace, to be the forgiveness, to be the mercy that somebody else experiences in life. And so we have that opportunity, uh, but sometimes it's easy to shy away from it, to avoid it. And in this story, it's easy to not fully go through with it and to stick into that spot. Uh, because it's easy when you have some healing day, you say, oh, I feel better. Now let's just go back to our separated ways, but I can feel good about my happily ever after story I don't actually have to like, figure out what reconciliation looks like for a long period of time. Um, but I feel better that we had a good moment. Let's just end it on that note. And so in this story, Jacob is surprised and startled that he's found God and Esau, that his brother has been so merciful like God is merciful. And Esau's like, hey, let's go together. Hey, come home with me. Hey, like, like, let, let's go. And Jacob's like, well, you know, I've got some herds that aren't really great at moving. You should probably just go on ahead of us. Don't, don't wait on us. You know the children. It's always a great excuse. Parents love, I'm sure. There are times where the children are a wonderful excuse. 
the children are so frail, they can't walk that fast. Go ahead, we'll meet up with you later. And Esau's like, I can help, you know. If travel speed is the problem, it's like a classic, I'll be a problem solver of the situation. I'll send some people. No, no, Jacob's like, you've been too nice. Don't, don't worry about it, we'll meet up with you. Go on ahead. And the painful ending on this story where it ends with, so Esau returned that day on his way to Seir, but Jacob journeyed to Sukkoth and built a house. It's so hard to just actually be willing to continue to risk that relationship, to continue to risk showing up to someone who has wronged you in the past, or if you've wronged someone, to continue to show up and not feel the shame or guilt of whatever you've done. And it's just maybe a little too much for Jacob. I don't know if I can actually travel with, with my brother. And so he's had this grace moment, but he's going to go live elsewhere. And we are invited uh, with the image of Christ and our great loving God to travel reconciliation, uh, and not just for a day or a moment, to go through with it, to stick with it, to stay with it. And I love the beautiful images of Jesus as the reconciler of all things that particularly Paul talks about. Uh, in Colossians 1, he says, For in Christ all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. In Ephesians, he says, he's talking about like Jews and Gentiles and these groups who are divided. He says, But in Christ you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. In his flesh he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall that is the hostility between us. He's broken down the hostility and the dividing wall between us. He's abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of two, thus making peace and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. Christ is the great reconciler. And it's not just, oh, I can have one nice happy moment, but like, what is it to follow Christ into that reconciling work? To want to heal relationships, to want to heal divides, to want to heal what is broken, not just for a, we had a great little moment together, but like, that society might be rightly placed as, as one with God. And I think of how often even when we've chosen a little bit of reconciliation that we fall short and go back to segregating our lives, whether those just kind of one-to-one -one broken relationships or when we think big picture of the ways in which we divide between race and gender and economic class and political party and so much more, that we go back to our divides and never really try to follow our Christ into healing. And so today on this like, occasion in which we celebrate uh, hearts and cards and, and chocolate and flowers, might we long even more for a love that, that brings together that which is broken and divided? Might you choose to be brave and vulnerable? And maybe it's just helpful to think about the image of when you first gave someone that Valentine's Day card, when you first asked somebody on a date, when you chose to be brave and vulnerable and put yourself out there uh, for a relationship, might you take that same level of, uh, of vulnerability and bravery
to heal whatever relationship is broken in your life. And as we transition from this series towards the season of Lent and towards the cross and towards Easter, may we reflect on who God is calling us to reconcile with in our lives. And may Christ continue to compel us to respond with welcome and embrace of all. Might we live like Esau and be willing to put past uh, those, those differences and those frustrations and that anger and just embrace and hug and hold dear to those who are separated from us. And if you've never had that prodigal son experience, if you've never been Jacob running home, today is as good a day as any other day uh, to know that what, what's, what's waiting for you is that welcome divine embrace, that God's love is always open to you. There might be people in your life you choose to try to restore a relationship with that it's just not going to work in this present moment. In part, it takes more than one party, one, more than one person to be willing to get to that place. But no matter what, God will always be there to welcome you and to embrace you. So might you choose, uh, if you've been hiding from God, if you've never uh, run towards God, may you choose to find God's embrace and run and hug and let the tears and the emotions fall uh, from your eyes. So would you join me in prayer today? Lord God, I, I don't know what emotions each of us that are worshiping today bring with us, but I ask that your spirit might move us, that we might be able to be vulnerable enough to uh, let them out, uh, to bring them to your altar, to bring them to your feet, uh, that whatever anxieties, whatever stresses, whatever joys, whatever hopes someone might have, that they feel welcomed to bring those to you. Lord, help us to bring uh, our brokenness and not hide from it, but ask that you might bring healing and help us to bring our broken relationships and ask that you might bring us together in the way that you call us to be. Lord, we sometimes lack the hope or we lack the imagination or the vision to see what healing might look like. Lord, give us renewed courage and renewed, uh, renewed faith that we might follow you wherever you lead. Jesus, it's in your name that we pray. Amen.